We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am joined once again by the one and only Carmen Vitale. You can find her on Fox Sports covering the NFC North, and of course, weekly here on the Pack a Day podcast. You can follow her on Twitter at Carmi V. Carmen, it's been another crazy week in the NFL. The Packers come up with an improbable win against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Before we get there, how are you doing? And welcome back. Thank you. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I actually I had a little bit of a break this week because two of the NFC North teams were on a bye. So I just had to worry about the Packers and the Lions, both of which had very interesting games in their own way. They did. And we'll talk definitely about both of them. But of course, we want to start from a Packers point of view first. So let's start with that Packers Chiefs game. I'll leave the floor open to you. What were your key takeaways and what was sort of your, um, I don't know, just like overarching feel coming away from that Packers win over the Chiefs? I had a sneaky feeling uh, about this game and and thinking that this was a good matchup. I mean, we've seen the Packers have some some success against uh, this this Kansas City Chiefs offense prior to this. So I say Joe Barry um, have some success against them, but I had a sneaking suspicion that this, this it might be a weird game, and it was a weird game. So I just I think that 
the game plan they had against Spags uh, from an offensive perspective too was just like the different checks and options, and they allowed Jordan Love to take more command of this offense and and check into different things depending on what he was seeing. That just speaks to the trust that Matt Lafleur now has in Jordan and and the trust they have in each other for that matter, which he literally just got done talking about and and spelled it all out, saying, "Yeah, Jordan's earned that." And I thought that that was very very evident against you know this very exotic blitz happy uh, uh defense that spags likes to run and it was it was really encouraging to see i'm so glad that you brought that up because i think it's a really important important part to discuss about this game is i think first of all they made the offense so that jordan had some simple reads at times which is just smart that's nothing against jordan that you would want to do that with tom brady aaron Rodgers, peyton manning anyone if you can get them easy looks and easy ways to diagnose what's happening post snap That's what good coordinating and good play calling is all about. But on the flip side of that, they also seem to give Jordan a lot more on his plate pre-snap to be able to check out a plays, to be able to use his cadence, to be able to get the defense to tell what they were doing and then get those easy reads post-snaps. They had solutions for just about everything that Spagnuolo was throwing at them. And it really felt throughout the entire course of this game that Matt was just a step ahead of Steve Spagnuolo. And I'm sure... Jordan says it out loud saying, I had this one circled on my calendar. Matt has been extremely vocal of how disappointed he was with his own game plan when they played Spagnuolo with Jordan Love at quarterback in Kansas City the last time they played. Now, I'm not saying Matt had it circled on his calendar, but I guarantee he being how frustrated he was with himself in that last matchup that he wanted to go out and say, all right. I didn't do well on that one. I am going to crush this one. He crushed this one. And just the the partnership of Jordan and Matt coming together as play caller and quarterback, this was the most synergistic it has looked. And it was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I like to think that Matt Lafleur is also a petty king. Like I am a, pe- I'm petty, and I appreciate the petty, and I, I think that Matt is too. So you obviously have stuff like this kind of circled, and you, you have a little bit of extra juice. Uh, yep. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. These guys find ways to have motivation. And some some games, they have more motivation than others. And I think this is one of them. I definitely think so as well. And it's like, that's when people say all the time of like, hey, once you get to the top of the mountain, you become everyone's biggest game. Like you're the one that's circled on the calendar every single week. It's hard to right. be the hunted every single week and knowing that every team is gunning for you. Green Bay, you could tell, had this one a little bit circled. They wanted this one. They got this one. And that's the more yep. impressive part of it. Uh, You wrote a little bit about Jordan Love and specifically looking a little Aaron Rodgers-esque this week. There were a handful of plays on tape where if you did a blind taste test, I don't know how that works when watching film, but if you did a blind (laughs) film test, I guess, and you didn't know who was playing quarterback, you would have sworn that Aaron was still playing quarterback in Green Bay. But floor is yours. What did you see from uh, Jordan and looking a little Aaron Rodgers-esque this week? I promise that was actually, it was the first time I, I did that because I do want Jordan Love to be his own quarterback. He doesn't yep. deserve to be compared all of the time. But between the off-platform throws, the command, the, the fun. I mean, this was the first time I really had fun watching this Green Bay offense and the first time I had fun watching Love play. And I, that's that's been something that's reserved for the Lions so far this year for me, yep. covering the four teams that I do. Um, but I just, it was so much fun to watch him in the ways that like, it was the, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Like those plays just were 
I, I did. I like I, I reverted back to watching Aaron Rodgers do that up and down uh, the Chicago <laughs> the Chicago field uh, so, uh, at Soldier Field growing up in Chicago as a Bears fan. But um, that was I mean, it it also showed so much consistency out of Jordan. Like he's been getting tangibly better every single week. Um, I was in the Fox uh, Fox Studio lot, actually, the, the office. And so I was working with our researcher a little bit. And since week 10, Jordan Love is averaging 286.5 yards per game, which ranks fifth among quarterbacks in that span. So he, he also has, what, 10 passing touchdowns? And so, like, he's trailing Dak Prescott and, and Brock Purdy, but that was it. That's it. And he has the most three touchdown and no interception games this year. And yeah. I'm like – like this is this is good quarterback play we are now getting out of Jordan, which I think is a lot of the fuel behind the oh he looks like Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback, and I now looked at the pace that Jordan Love is on, and I think I responded to a tweet of yours earlier and said that no one was ready for this conversation yet, but Jordan Love is on pace for a better season in his first year than Rodgers' first season, so he has like let's what I'm I'm looking at the numbers now it's 22. 22 more yards, uh, three more touchdowns, and one more interception uh, that, that Love is now on pace for compared to Rodgers in 2008. And, I mean, Rodgers also went 6-10 and 10 that season. Not that wins are a quarterback stat, but the Packers went 6-10 and 10 in Rodgers' first season. Unless the bottom completely falls out on the Green Bay Packers right now, Jordan Love is going to finish with a better record too. Yeah, it's been really impressive. And I know some people are like, well, what's the deal with like, do we have to do the Rogers and love thing? And it's like, it's like yeah. one thing if we're being like, well, here's how he compares to Bart Starr and here's how he compares to Brett Favre. And here's how he can be like, Jordan played for three years under Aaron Rodgers. There are some things innately that he picked right. up on that, that, that uh, Aaron showed Jordan like that. Like there's just some innate things that you can see that like, oh, you can tell he's been watching Aaron closely for three years. That's why some of that stuff to me, at least matters when we start talking about like some of the mannerisms, some of the cadence, the checks, how he's playing, how he's throwing. Like, it's interesting to me because he did get to sit and watch Aaron for three years. And for everyone that was like, Oh, this is going to be such a great thing. He gets to sit and watch Aaron for three years and learn what he does and everything. Well, now we're seeing some of that pay off and you're seeing some Aaron esque plays. So that to me is like more why it's fun to even like bring some of that stuff up because he did it's, he did pick up on some of that stuff during those three years. And you mentioned the uh, three or, you know, three touchdown passes or more with zero interceptions. Zach Cruz had an amazing tweet on this the other day. Jordan has four games so far with three or more touchdown passes and zero interceptions. If he were to have one more and get to five of those, as Zach points out, five is kind of a big deal in Packers history. In 2020, Rodgers had five or more of those. And he won an MVP he Had 10 or more of those that year. He won the MVP in 2014. Rogers had eight of them. He won the MVP in 2016. Rogers had six of them. That was the run the table season at the end of the year, 2021 Rogers had five. He won the MVP 1995 Favre had five of them. He won the MVP. I'm clearly not saying, and nor is Zach saying that if he does it one <laughs> more time, it's going to be the MVP <laughs> conversation or anything like that, but it has been a pretty big um, you know, measuring stick for some of the best of the best seasons in Packers history. If you can put five or more three plus touchdown with zero interception games together and Jordan's just one game away from doing it. Yeah. 
It's extraordinarily impressive. And I mean, Matt LaFleur even copped to it today in his press conference saying that, yeah, Jordan's been watching Aaron for three years. There's absolutely a benefit to that. And that's why you're seeing him be able to diagnose things so quickly and the way that he goes about his cadence and he goes about talking to his receivers and all that kind of stuff. That was his mentor. You always take stuff from your mentor. And I, I just think that it's a good thing that we're comparing because again, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. So you just, I, I like, I, I get that. I, again, I said it before I want Jordan love to be his own quarterback. He's going to be his own quarterback, but the comparisons aren't to, you know, they're, they're not a bad thing is, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I could see it much more if it was like from a disparaging standpoint where like, right. well, see Aaron did this and Jordan's clearly not capable. It's like, all right, do we really need to compare everything to Aaron in that situation? Like you're comparing right. to a Mount Rushmore Hall of Famer career like that. That doesn't need to be done. But when you see things that are similar and you're like you're doing it as a way to like prop up Jordan more than anything else. So I'm right. 100% with you. Let's go to the other side of the ball. I want to talk about the defensive side. You also wrote about Joe Barry's defense, specifically the bend but don't break nature of it. And it's kind of working, question mark. Um, I think it was Ted Wynn from The Athletic who pointed out that the Joe Barry's defense is uniquely set up to contend with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, but doesn't yep. exactly switch up against other opponents, which is the biggest, I mean, all season, even within games, how many times have we said, where are the adjustments? Why aren't we playing something different in the second half based on what we've seen in the first? Like, clearly it's not working. The, the run defense especially has been Swiss cheese in, in, in places. Um, but I will say that the most important stat, which is how many points you're allowing on the board, the Packers are letting up to the third fewest points at this point. So I, I just think that the don't break part of it is now coming to fruition a little bit more than we saw earlier in the season. Uh, it's been a little bit more reliable where they've been able to get stops late in games and get the stops that they need to. Um, and, and now you have an offense that is capable of scoring more than 20 points. I think they're averaging letting up 20.3 points a game. So now you have an offense that's, that's absolutely capable of outscoring that number, which is a low number. Uh, and, and you're seeing kind of the synergistic and, and complementary football out of, out of both sides, which is making this defense look like it's improved quite a bit. Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found game time. Game time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. 
With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, I think so too. And it'll be interesting to see if Joe kind of learned some of those lessons. I was right there with Ted and saying like, it's great to play this style of defense against the Mahomeses and the Herberts of the world when you do it against the... Desmond Ritters and the Kenny Pickett's, and now we'll see what he does against you know Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito, that that's hey. going to be a little bit different, right? You got to take away Saquon Barkley, you got to stop the run, and this yeah. is a, the defense that for years now I've used this analogy more often than not. But like, you got to eat your vegetables first. I know this wants to be a pass defense. I know they want to get to their blitz packages. I know they want to be able to rush the passer and, and do all the things exotically in the coverage in the back end. That's all great and wonderful. But if you can't get teams in third and long and you're not eating your vegetables on early downs and stopping the run, you don't get the dessert. You don't get the fun, sexy part of playing defense. And I do think that this team needs to do a much better job of stopping the run and eating their vegetables, for lack of a better term, on early downs so that they can get into some of those more advantageous defensive situations. Because we've seen this defense outside of the third and 18 to Patrick Mahomes, which Patrick Mahomes is going to Patrick Mahomes sometimes. But outside of that, like, when they get in those situations, they've been pretty darn good. They just have to do a better job of getting in those situations. Yeah, I think, I mean, I like that al- analogy a lot, but what it boils down to is making opposing offenses one-dimensional so that you can focus on the uh, on the pass rush. You can focus on getting to the quarterback. You can focus on coverage, all that kind of stuff, because you can't do that if they can, you know, just block their way through through the box and pick up five, six, seven yards on the ground whenever they want to. Um, I think that's defensive 101. I mean, I learned defense from Todd Bowles in uh, in Tampa. So he's a very big proponent of stopping the run first. That, that's the very first thing he does when he inherits a defense is figure out how to do that with the personnel he has. And I just, I see that as the basic foundation for good defense, even though it's a passing league, we get that. But I mean, it's not like the teams aren't, these teams aren't capable of running and some are capable of running a lot more. Uh, you know, you look at, the, the tree that uh, Matt LaFleur belongs to. You look at the Shanahan tree and then what Mike, what Kyle Shanahan's able to do in San Francisco with multiple backs and even what Mike McDaniel can do in Miami with multiple backs. So this isn't, this isn't going away. It'll never go away. You need to stop the run to, before you can get to anything else. No 30th and run defense, 4.5 yards per carry allowed, not good enough. And let's say they do get the seven seed and nobody's like, necessarily saying like Green Bay is going to go and make a ton of noise in the postseason or whatever. Like if they get there, that's a win. And then we'll see what happens. But like, let's say they get the seven seed that first matchup almost assuredly is going to be against Philly 
or it's going to be against San Francisco. And like, you better, you better know how to stop the run in some capacity, or it's going to be a very long day at the office and you're going to make a trip to the East coast or the West coast, one of the two, just to get the ball run right down your throat. So they definitely Mm -hmm. need to improve on that through the remainder of this season. Let's take a spin around the NFC North. As you mentioned, it wasn't just an interesting day for the Packers. The Lions had an interesting game against the Saints as well. Felt a little bit like need for that team is a little bit of a stretch because they're going to get into the playoffs and things like that. But it just felt a little bit like after that Packers loss, they needed to get back in the win column and maybe play a little bit better football. I'm not sure about the latter part, but they did get the win. What was your thoughts on Lions over Saints this past week? Yeah, I mean, the Lions don't look as unflappable as they did earlier in the season. And I wrote about it this week because it has a lot to do with the with injuries, both on the offensive line and in their in their secondary. Their offensive line in particular, I mean, Jared Goff is a completely different quarterback, whether or not he's protected. That's not something new. That's been true his entire career. The Lions clearly knew that because as soon as Jared Goff got there, they started really building up that offensive line a lot more and they have they have depth but that depth is being tested and you saw what happened in new orleans where within the first seven minutes they were up 21 nothing and then it tapered off after that because frank ragnow got hurt their center and that is i think of all of the offensive line injuries they could have suffered of all the injuries they could suffer period that is probably the worst one because of the relationship he has with jordan how good i mean he's one of the best centers in the league uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be available against the Bears this week. So that was while Jared Goff got the turnovers under control and the offense seemed to look a little bit more competent and together with the injury to Ragnow. I mean, that that's going to throw everything off. So I don't I don't know how much you can glean from that win. I do feel like they, they needed it. And I still feel like they're going to get to the postseason, but they don't look as unstoppable as they did before. They don't. And that brings us to this week's game, which is Lions at Bears. Bears coming off a bye. Bears almost had him, probably should have had him a few weeks ago prior to that Thanksgiving game with the Packers. Um, This is an interesting one to me with the Bears coming off the bye. Bears have been a little bit better over the course of the past month or so. Not great, not maybe really good, but better. And like I said, they gave the Lions fits when that specific game. So if they like, if you mentioned if Ragnow can't go on this game, this is a, this is an interesting one for Detroit, and we'll see if they can do better this time against the Bears, and maybe not make it quite as close as it was the last game. Yeah, it's going to come into play immediately because the Bears' defensive front has gotten a lot better. The Bears' defense in general has gotten a lot better since the arrival of Montez Sweat. It's not just Montez Sweat who's able to get pressures and sacks. He has opened things up for everybody along that line, and that's exactly what you brought him in to do. So this the, the trench battle, I think, in Chicago, specifically between the, the Lions' offensive line and the Bears' defensive line, is going to be what determines this game. And I, I they, they absolutely should have had the, the, the Bears absolutely should have had the Lions in that game, but it was also an uncharacteristic day of Jared Goff turning the ball over. Uh, the Lions turned the ball over four times in that game. And I mean, the Bears only managed three points after the two turn or three turnovers, or was that against the Vikings? That was against the Vikings. Never mind. It's really hard to keep track of <laughs> the, yeah, Bears, the Bears turnovers. They, the Bears defense has been able to create multiple turnovers. They've had four turnovers in their or four takeaways in their last couple of games. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that again. I think that that was more of a fluke than anything with Jared Goff. Um, but who knows if they can continue to do that, they can absolutely win this game. And again, it's really going to come down to that trench, that trench battle. 
It would be interesting too if Chicago somehow gets this win and Green Bay gets a win against the Giants. It tightens that NFC North up just a little bit. The the Lions would take a loss in the NFC North to kind of work on that tiebreaker a little bit towards the end, but just tighten up a little bit with Green Bay having four winnable games left. Detroit's got a couple games against the Vikings. Left. It would just be very very interesting if that were to happen. It's it's a weird half life to live if you're a Packer fan trying to cheer for the Bears this week, but. A Bears win not only takes the Lions down a step, but it also hurts the Bears draft position for next year as well. So Packers are kind of sneaky Chicago Bears fans this week. Uh, Let's talk about Vikings Raiders next. It's another interesting one. Both of these teams, I believe, are coming off bye weeks, correct? Um, Mm -hmm. I know the Vikings are for sure. Uh, And this is another interesting one where the Raiders, ever since they made the coaching change, have been playing much better. Josh Dobbs has come back to life a little bit. There was some question or down to earth a little bit, I should say. Um, there has been some question as to whether or not he was going to be the starter this week. He did get named the starter, but it, this is another one that is a sneaky, very important game for Minnesota. It is because it's going to determine really how the rest of their season goes. I know it's yeah. on the road and it's a non-conference game, but at the same time, we're going to now get Justin Jefferson back. And that, and what does this offense now look like with its best player on the field? And how quickly can he get up to speed with Josh Dobbs? The thing is, Justin has been practicing for he used that entire 21 day window uh, and where he was back at practice and was practicing for that amount of time. He said yesterday that or maybe it was this morning um, that, you know, uh, he really started to feel 100 percent right before the Bears game. But they just didn't want to chance it. They, they just didn't want to push him. You know, if he ever needed that extra gear, he wasn't totally confident in it. Now, 10 days removed from that, he is ready to go, set to make his return in, in Las Vegas. And I just think that we're going to get to see how this op- the, the, the ceiling of this offense um, now that you have him back. And, and with Jordan Addison, the way that he's stepped up and even Brandon Powell, um, which is insane. And I, we're going to see. And, and TJ Hawkinson, I don't want to leave him out either. Um, and that's going to ter- determine how how well the Vikings do down the stretch and if they can continue to kind of improve. I don't think that they have Super Bowl hopes. The fact that they still have a playoff playoff hopes, I think is a win for them in general. At the end of the day, Josh Jobs is still a rental. I don't, I don't think that this is their guy going forward, but the, you know, the more, the better you can do this year, um, given the fact that you already have six wins and you're not going to be in, in the market for one of those top, quarterbacks um in, in as far as draft position goes i think it goes a long way in instilling confidence in this offense so that whoever does end up under center there uh can kind of take it and run with it right right away yeah if josh Dobbs doesn't win this one he might not even be the quarterback of the next week you could right. you got jaron hall you got nick mullins who's back from ir too so yeah that's uh it, it's and then i just think everything goes completely off the rails for minnesota if you don't even know necessarily who your starting quarterback is and a few weeks ago, it looked like this Raiders team was just going to be dead in the water, but they're kind of playing for something as well. Like they're still technically in the playoff conversation in the AFC. So this is an interesting game on the road for Minnesota. They go to Vegas. I'm intrigued. And this is another one where th- this is one a little bit more easy for Packer fans to cheer against the Vikings, which is per usual. And uh, hopefully Minnesota can come away with a loss and Green Bay can take another step towards their playoff destination. All right. That brings us to Packers Giants Monday Night Football what are you going to kind of be watching for in this one? Uh, I'm going to be watching for how many times I can insert a Sopranos meme into this. So that is basically, I'm going to go full on just Tommy DeVito. This is the best thing to happen to Italian Americans in a long time. So I just, 
I think it's fun. Uh, no, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, the this is this is one of those like, oh god, if Packers lose this, then the discourse starts again. It's not that I think it would mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but just as you're gaining this momentum and you beat the Kansas City Chiefs to then lose to Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants would just be. It would be a mess. It would be very messy. And in this in this scenario, I don't want the mess. I, I don't want it. I'm there with you. And I think if anything, Green Bay could potentially beat itself in this game. Like that, that's what I'm more concerned about. I don't think if they go toe to toe and Green Bay plays anywhere near how they've played as of late. I think this is an easy Green Bay win, but this is still a young and volatile team, and you just don't know exactly which Green Bay team is going to show up in any given week. Really good Green Bay looks really freaking good, but we've seen really bad Green Bay step into games at times this year too, and that hasn't looked particularly good and nor has been particularly fun. So to me, this is just how Green Bay is prepared. Matt LaFleur said today that they had one of their best practices of the season. Hopefully that's great. They get a little extra day uh, with Monday Night Football uh, to kind of prepare for everything. Giants coming off a bye. They've got a lot of time to prepare for this one. I do think Brian Dable and Wink Martindale are both very smart individuals, and I'm sure they're going to cook some things up for this Green Bay offense and defense. I'm intrigued by this one. I think Green Bay comes away with the win, but I, I don't think this is, I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see how Green Bay manages this one. Yeah, it's not a gimme. I, I think it, like it should be a gimme, but like when you're looking on paper, you're looking at the two teams on paper, especially with how they've been playing as of late. But yeah, it's not a gimme. Uh, last but not least, anything else, the state of the NFC North, as we look at it today, it's an interesting situation. Detroit's still on top, but they're not trending great at the moment. Green Bay now in that kind of number two range, and they're trending up. Minnesota's got the backup quarterback thing going, and you're not sure what to make of them. And then you've got Chicago, who's played better of late, but you don't know what it amounts to. You don't know if they're going to end up with a new coach, probably like a new quarterback. Like There's a lot still up for grabs in this NFC North in these last five weeks. There is. It's, there's a lot of evaluations that are going to have to happen for multiple teams in this division. And that's why this stretch of games, while it may not have implications as far as like actual playoff runs or, you know, Super Bowl contenders or anything like that. It's a very interesting division with a ton of things that are going to kind of like, I feel like leak out or there's just going to be a lot of evaluation going on. And, and I, I'm very excited to see that. The rumor mill going uh, as the season progresses down the stretch here. Uh, but yeah, I, I also agree with the fact that, you know, this is it's a little bit different, I think, than we initially thought. Oh, yeah. Although, I don't know, in the beginning of the season, did we say, I think we said Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears? Bears, yep. Which I, think that was the, I, thought that, I think that was week yep. one. Yep. So we're still right. Still easily right. This, we knew this all along is clearly what the the final verdict is here. But no, I, especially for those, those Bears and Vikings teams, where it's like if you pick up a couple of wins over the course of the next week, that changes a lot. Like for the Vikings, they're definitely making a push to the postseason. For the Bears, like they have legitimate questions in it. Like, do they keep the coach and quarterback? And if it goes in the opposite direction, if those two teams lose two games coming up, Again, then Minnesota, maybe at the end of the year, starts making some evaluations, maybe gets Jaron Hall in the game. Like that could change things up. And for the Bears, mm -hmm. then you really maybe start going full court press of like, all right, we need to really change some things up here. So a lot in flux at the end of the season for a lot of teams involved. Detroit playoff positioning, Minnesota, Green Bay could go up or like just I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm excited at, at the last five games for the NFC North. Same. Carmen, amazing stuff as always. Where can we find your stellar work over on Fox Sports? 
Yeah, uh, all my articles appear on foxsports.com, but you can go to my Twitter. I pretty much post all of the things that I'm up to, as well as your fair share of Sopranos memes this week. So if that's your if that's your cup of tea, or maybe your cup of espresso, please uh, please head on over to Carmi V on Twitter. Well played. Well played. Make sure to check it out again at Carmi V C A R M I E V. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That will do it for us today. But until next time, and as always. Go Pack Go.